John 17. It's been my experience in my limited time as being a pastor that when things like that happen, if I don't obey, the Lord doesn't show up. And it's also been my experience that if the Lord shows me something like that needs to happen, there's somebody in here that needed to hear those exact words. Never a burden he cannot bear. All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat. Leave it there. He is that propitiation for our sin. That place where you go to find mercy. Without guile, without controversy, without trying to hide what you think you're able to hide from God. You bring your most vile wretchedness before Jesus Christ and say, this is me and I can't help it. And you'll find mercy there. You find mercy at the feet of Jesus Christ. Those wounds, they still plead for me. You will find mercy. His mercies are new every morning. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. The compassions of Jesus Christ are seen in his pleas. Because you see the the cry of Jesus Christ throughout the Psalms. You see the cry of Jesus Christ throughout the, the prophets. You see his cry upon the cross. You see his crying from the depths of hell. You see that cry. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand the majesty on high. And that joy that was set before him was you. That what was set before him. He saw every second of your life when he was made sin for us. He saw every second of my life. He lived it. He lived every moment. It wasn't just that he was an offering. It wasn't just that there was a sacrifice made. He was made into you. He was made into every vile thought. He was made into every vile action. He was made into every single rebellious thing that you've ever had. He was even made into your dishonoring of your parents. The one who always brought honor to his father, was made into you. And the wrath of God that was reserved for you, everything that God the Father wanted to do to you, he poured out upon his son. Ran upon him like a giant, as it says in Job 16. Took him by the neck and shook him. His arrows pierced him. His reins were divided asunder. That soul and spirit. That fourfold separation of Jesus Christ at his crucifixion. 
is the reason why you can come to him. Because for the joy that was set before him, he endured that. He endured it. Even when his will was contrary to the Father, he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. For the joy that was set before him. And that's why all your anxiety and all your care, you bring to the mercy seat and you leave it there. It's the Savior that we're going to see in John 17. This is the one the Holy One that died for me. John 17, verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Think of who he's talking of right now. This is Peter he's talking about. Who's about to betray him. Not betraying him over to the hands of those that took Jesus, but he denied him. This is Thomas who would doubt the resurrection. Though he had been told of it time and time again. This is all those that left him. Where he cries in that psalm, No man stood by me. My friends stood aloof away. No man. Nevertheless, God stood with me. Yet he prays for them. And he still claims them as his. You really think you're going to sin enough? To make Jesus say, that one's not mine anymore? Then the Jesus that you have does not have the love of God. Why? Because God commendeth his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the love of God manifested. Hereby perceive we the love of God. That he died. And therein you see that thing where Jesus Christ is God, and not only that, but God is Jesus Christ. God died. If that's not love, I don't know what is. And that same love he shed abroad in our hearts. Paul said we have enlarged ourselves. What does that mean? Well, that our hearts have grown in capacity for love. You see, I just don't know how I could love somebody like that. I don't know how I could love somebody that did this. How do you expect me to love somebody that did that to me? Well, what did you do to Jesus? That he had to die. So you wouldn't have to. That's love. And he says, all are mine. All mine are thine, and thine are mine. You know, he's claiming you. 
Because he says this in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. We're going to keep touching back at that thing because you have to remember, Jesus prayed this for you. Jesus wanted you bad enough. Yeah, he endured a cross. But he wanted you bad enough that his soul was willing to go to hell for you. And his soul endured the torments of hell. Go to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. And at that indication, you know, Jonah's no longer speaking for himself. This is the Spirit of Christ in the prophet foretelling of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, 1 Peter 1.11. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Therein you see the faith of Jesus Christ. That same faith which justifies you, that same faith that he gives you, And therefore, you know, you don't have to spend one second in hell. If God has given you that faith, there is no way you can go to hell. The waters come past me about, even into the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went to the bottoms of the mountains. The curse with her bars was about me forever. And there we have it. Did Jonah go to the bottoms of the mountains? Or was he in the belly of a whale? Did Jonah go into the very pit of hell? Or was Jonah in a fish? Jonah is prophesying here. And out of his great distress and his great calamity, he cries unto the Lord, only it's not his voice that is crying, it's the voice of the Son of God. And he says, the waters come past me about, even unto the soul. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. And in that we see, he took your entire eternity in hell. In that amount of time. Really, how long do you think it had to take the Father When the son cried unto him, out of the depths of hell cried I. How long do you think it took when that cry came up into his holy temple? How long do you really think it took the father to say, that's my son. Bring him out. He drew him up out. How long? But in this we see, he took my forever. Only God could have done that. 
only God. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer, my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Do you realize that mercy seat that she sang about? There is mercy reserved for you. There's mercy reserved for you. You can obtain mercy, but it only comes on God's terms. According to his scriptures, not our own. Those lying vanities, those lying vanities that you observe, you are forsaking your own mercy. Whether it be a lying vanity of religion, whether it be a lying vanity that you've created in your own mind, you are forsaking that. You are forsaking the mercy just so that you can cling to this thing that you call truth. Even though the word of God never told you that. Even though the word of God tells you the opposite of that. Surely it can be on my terms. Surely it can be according to my will. Surely I can come to God and he'll take me, even if I'm a little confused and off on my doctrine. Surely he'll take me. He killed his son for you. And he gave you exactly how you're to come to him. You really think that he's going to take you another way? How about you forsake those lying vanities? And just choose to believe God. Remembering, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They that forsake lying vanities, that observe lying vanities, forsake their own mercy. He says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Why don't you just go ahead and and offer up that, that sacrifice of thanksgiving? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not in hell today. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm here in the preaching of the word of God one more time. Thank you, Jesus, that I was able to lift up my voice in the house of God and sing the songs of Zion. Thank you, Jesus, that I have breath. How about you just offer that up? Hey, How about you lost folks in here? You know you're lost. You know you're going to hell. How about you just thank God that he's put you in the house of God one more time? Thank him that you can hear the preaching of the word of God one more time. Thank him that you're not in hell today and you can hear repent and believe the gospel one more time. Hey. Thank him he gave me breath to preach one more time. So you might not see me next Sunday. I pray to God that those words never lose their sting in this church. I pray to God every time you hear somebody say, I'll see you next week. You remember that. Somebody said that and died before Sunday.
but you're here. That's the mercy of God. But you just thank him for that. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. And at those words, that whale spit forth Jonah upon the dry ground. God had accomplished what he needed to accomplish in Jonah. And then he said, get up and go do what I told you. But some will not hear. Some will not see it. Some can't believe it. But there may be one that does. Salvation is of the Lord. Safety is of the Lord. Those two things right there, why do we fear? Why do you have anxiety? Why do you have care? Why do you, why do you have that, that anxiousness in you? Why are you perplexed and in great distress? Because we know what the Word of God says. We've heard it from our youth up. We know exactly what the Word of God says. We've been told time and time again it's the Word of God. We've been told you can believe these things. We've been told that salvation is of the Lord. But just like Uzzah, who grew up with the ark of God, the very tabernacle of God on this earth that contained the glory of God. He grew up with that in his home. It was a piece of furniture to him. He knew what it was. He knew what it represented. He knew what he was not supposed to do, yet when it was on that card and it shook, he thought nothing about reaching out and steadying it. God struck him dead. My great fears for those who have grown up in the church house, hearing the preaching of the word of God week after week after week, year after year after year. And you yourself would reach out and steady the ark of God. As if God couldn't keep that thing. As if God couldn't keep that thing steady. Salvation is of the Lord. Y'all just meditate on that and really think that one through. What does that even mean? Salvation is of the Lord. The theologian would split that thing all six ways from Sunday, and you wouldn't be able to tell at all what at all salvation is of the Lord means. Let me tell you what exactly it means in a language that you can understand. Salvation is of the Lord. Amen. You get a hold of that, you'll get a hold of God. Salvation is of the Lord. Back to John chapter 17. I'm glorified in them. Look at verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Keep through thine own name. How powerful is the name of God? Is there any name above the name of God? 
Is there any name that carries with it the same amount of power as the name of God? How powerful is your name? How powerful is your name? You keeping yourself by your own name? Or is God keeping you? I'm just, I'm just laying some doctrine down for you. Who's keeping you today? That breath you just took, who gave that to you? The fact that there was an electrical signal that went from your brain to your heart to tell it to pump again so that it would send oxygen into your vessels throughout your body to keep your flesh alive. Who told it to do that? God. You don't think he can keep you? The very idea that the name of God is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every name, knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. There's not another name like Jesus. Though men may claim it for their own, just culturally, though men may claim it for their own, thinking they had set themselves up as Jesus, there is only one man named Jesus. It's the eternal word of God. He is Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And he's keeping you. Think of that thing in John. John chapter 10, where he says, All that the Father hath given me I will no wise cast out, and, and, and they're in my hand. No man can pluck them from my hand. And, and they're in my Father's hand. No man is able to pluck them from my Father's hand. Who's keeping you? Then why do you worry about the billows that are around you about? Why do you worry about the next tribulation that's coming? Why do you worry about the fact that you can't pay any bill this week at all? Why do you worry about that? Maybe God's trying to teach you a lesson. Did you know? This is going to be hard to take. Did you know that not every tribulation comes from Satan? Did you know that not everything evil comes from the evil one? Did you know that God will afflict you? Did you know that God will pour out vengeance upon you? If you follow the character of God throughout the word of God, these are things that you'll see. That he will allow things to happen in your life that you can't even fathom. Why would a holy God do this? Because he loves you enough to let that happen. Well, look at that accident. A couple weeks ago now. It's starting to fade from our memory a little bit, isn't it? You think, well, why would God allow that to happen? Why, why would God allow me to lose my child? Why would God take my husband from me? Why would God take my wife from me? Why would God allow this to happen? Why did God allow me to get cancer? Why did God do this to me? Do you, you realize you have a choice? You're not a robot. You know the difference between you and a dog? Really, the only difference is that God gave you free will. 
Judas. Dogs react by instinct. What God has put in them, they react by. They react to noise. They react to hand motions. In that, a lot of people sitting in the pews, they're dogs. The Bible says beware of dogs. Beware of reacting to the hand motions and the loud voice and, and getting all stirred up and all these things. Beware of that. But there's some things that God specifically will do. I want you to go to Psalm 141. Psalm 141, a psalm of David. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. And then verse 4. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. The psalmist is asking God, please don't incline my heart to evil things. Why would he ask that? To practice wicked works with the men that work iniquity. Let me not eat of their dainties. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 9. And this is one of those areas in the Word of God that you just might be like Uzzah and the Ark of God. But listen. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And look at that next phrase. And lead us not into temptation. Why would Jesus tell us to ask God not to lead us into temptation? Why would that be something we would have to ask? God, please don't lead me into temptation. It's because there are times where he'll lead you into temptation. I know that's hard. I know that that is something that is, is very hard to accept. But if we believe our Bibles, and you take for that exactly what it's saying, lead us not into temptation. Incline not my heart to evil. We'll do one more. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Look at verse 1. This is why he would do these things. It's to prove you. Why would he lay temptation out before you? 
Is it to see what's in your heart? Well, doesn't he already know the inner depths of your heart? It's because you won't believe what he's telling you about your heart. You won't believe him that he's telling you that you're a liar. You won't believe him that he's telling you that you're an adulterer or an adulteress. You won't believe him that he's telling you you're a thief. You won't believe him that he's telling you that your heart is far from him. So what does he have to do? He has to prove it to you. Look at this, Deuteronomy 13. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Now, first thing I want to tell you about this, this is showing us that there are going to be times where the devils are going to have enough power to make a miracle happen. If they can get you off the track and and they can, outside of the biblical realm of things, they can show you a sign or a miracle or a wonder, they can show you a healing, they can move a mountain, they can do whatever and make it look like God, but then draw you away from God. This is what this is warning about. Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you. God sent that false prophet. That false prophet that said, come, let's serve other gods. Look, I have a sign and I have a wonder. And it came to pass. Come on, let's go serve other gods. God sent that God, that that false prophet, to prove you. To know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He's saying, if you love me, prove it. Or you just in it for the signs and the wonders. You didn't just see signs and wonders, miracles, healings. Had a man that used to come to our church quite often. In the evenings, he would come. He went and told me that he said uh, that he wasn't going to be coming back. Because he likes to see the power of God. He needs signs and wonders and miracles and healings. Just like the people that would go to Jesus just so that they could get fed. First they were addicted to his miracles, then they were addicted to the bread. None of them were seeking after him just for the sake of finding Jesus alone. Right there's a good definition of guile. Did you get a miracle? Were you fed one time? Did he take care of a carnal need? If you keep coming back to him just for those things, he's going to call you out on it. He's going to lead you into temptation. He's going to show you those things in your heart, and it's going to hurt. But that tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience, and experience hope. Let's keep looking at this. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, and keep his commandments, and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord God commanded thee to walk in, so shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. So why would we have to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation? Why would we have to pray, 
Lord, incline not our heart to evil. Because God wants to prove it to you that that's in your heart. And he'll do whatever it takes to prove it to you. So we ask him, Lord, soften my heart. Lord, soften my neck. Lord, turn me. Incline me unto you. Incline me unto your commandments. Incline me unto your ways. Don't destroy me. You remember Job? He said, that which I feared has come upon me. Do you know what he feared? Later on in Job, you see him say that he feared destruction from God. That's what he feared. And that which he feared came upon him. Why? Because God needed to show Job some things. And God needed to get Job low enough to the point where he was a worm and no man so he could prophesy about that one who was a worm and no man. Jesus Christ. So all your anxiety, all your care, maybe it's designed by God to show you what's actually in your heart. Be good to go to him. Say, God, you, you showed this to me. Thank you. Offer up that, that sacrifice of thanksgiving. Thank you for showing me this was in my heart. I said a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting into the preaching, and God reminded me that I was a thief. Do you know why he reminded me that I was a thief? Because I never fully understood how shameful of a thing that is. You have no idea how, how ashamed I was. The things that he was showing me, the things that he brought out, the things that I had taken that were not mine. Do, do you realize how shameful that is? I do now. And so I offer up that thanksgiving and praise. Because I hate that even more. And that makes me love him even more. Because now I know that's not me anymore. That's, that's such were some of you. But now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you are justified. Amen. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. We're going to get there. I think we're done. We're going to get there eventually to verse 15. Unbeknownst to me, God had a specific message for us this morning. Did you catch it? If I were to go around the room and ask each and every one the message, I guarantee you there'd be 30 different answers. And I love that. That's God. Darren, why don't you come and close us in a song?